Welcome back to Yes X or No Audio. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Week in Review. It is Monday, September the 4th, just after 1pm here on the east coast of Australia. This episode's a little late, but it's Labor Day long weekend in the US, so hopefully this sort of counts as on the weekend. Um, usual story, but I want to make a couple of notes. First of all, Dave DeCamp is back in the saddle at Anti-War as news editor. He has written all of the Anti-War headlines and I repeat my thanks to him for providing such excellent news reporting with source links and most especially for writing writing clear headlines. Thank you very much, Dave. On the Other Voices section, we've got the usual cast of good writers and at least two new ones, which is great to see. So, with that, let's crack on. We start with the annual headlines, and we're looking at regions. So, first of all, Africa slash Niger slash Gambon. And we have, oh, all of the annual headlines are in oldest to newest per section. Niger places military on maximum alert over fears of ECOWAS invasion. Then we have ECOWAS sanctions preventing food and aid deliveries to Niger. Then Niger orders police to expel French ambassador, and we'll come back to that one. And finally, coup in Gambon. French ambassador refuses to leave Niger. France losing Africa. Richard Medhurst. So we'll get back to him. I put that in the wrong spot. Damn it. Anyway, moving on to the Pacific slash China. We have... Philippines, Australia practice retaking island in South China Sea, followed by US Navy commander says China must be challenged in the South China Sea. And then Philippines, Australia plan to conduct joint patrols in the South China Sea. And US OK's first ever foreign military financing arms package for Taiwan. British Parliament calls Taiwan an, quote, independent country, end quote, as foreign minister visits China. US military in talks to build port in northern Philippines facing Taiwan. And lastly, China outlines obstacles to to resuming high-level military talks with US. So... That's a mofo of headlines for one week with the US and Australia rattling sabres and the US doing other fun with the Philippines and so forth. So all this shit's going down. Nothing new. But anyway, there we have it. Moving on to the Middle East. Iran summons Swiss diplomat over Iranian oil stolen by US. So that's a follow-up on last week where, you know, the US finally decided to completely steal the oil rather than just having sitting, you know, and pounding it in a ship off the coast. They decided to unload the damn oil. And then we have Israeli airstrikes put Syria's Aleppo airport out of service. So Israel every week, another attack on Syria without any mandate or international approval and whatever. And then we have US new Saudis were slaughtering African migrants at border, but kept quiet. That's interesting. So how that slipped out, see article. And then we have report US 
Israel to conduct joint drills simulating attacks on Iran. So this is in the Middle East, US and Israel doing emulations of US-Australia you know, stuff in the, the Pacific. So the US is just warmongering everywhere. Tell me something new. Now, um, there is a section here on US-NATO and Assange, but there's nothing in anywhere about that, but we get back to that in the Other Voices section. And moving on to the boring Ukraine front. Here, we'll just sort of run through these really quickly. Um, senior US officials expect to back Ukraine against Russia into next year and beyond. No surprises there. Zelensky says Ukraine elections could happen if they're funded by the West. I, I can't pay for elections, so it doesn't matter that much to us right now. What's democracy anyway? <coughs> Poland and Baltic states demand Belarus expel Wagner fighters. Yeah, that's fine. Your neighbours can demand that you expel you know, foreign fighters from your soil. Yeah, fine, right? Uh, drones target a western Russian city near Estonian border. U.S. announces $250 million arms package for Ukraine. Biden looks to prevent future president from ending Ukraine war. Interesting, that one. And Senator Blumenthal says, U.S. getting its money's worth in Ukraine because Americans aren't dying. And that's sort of the headline of the week. Look at look above uh, for a lovely quote of an interview from... Uh, Judging Freedom, which is a discussion between Scott Horton and Judge Napolitano. And finally we have, Russia says Ukrainian drone attacks not possible without help from the West, i.e. we know where this shit's coming from, says Russia. And Ukraine blasts Pope Francis for address to Russian youth. That's always a good look. <laughs> you know, slinging mud at the Pope. Good, pl- good plan, Zelensky. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, I forgot to do the beginning at the beginning, which is where I reserve one of my articles. Well, there's only one, <laughs> so that's reserved, and that's on Gabon. So we'll get to that at the end. Section two, other voices. And so this is various peoples uh, having their say on uh, Africa, Niger, slash Gabon. And we have Obama's man in Africa under house arrest as popular coup rocks Gabon. Uh, from Max Blumenthal, published at SharePost. So I presume he's also published that at um, the Grey Zone. Uh, and then we have No Respite for France as a New Africa Rises by good old Pepe Escobar. Stick of a knife in. Have a go. Uh, and then Joe Laurier doing his wonderful stuff about just calmly reporting the historical facts and the current facts with the Bongo family's 56-year rule over Gabon. <laughs> Thanks, Joe, from Consortium News. And another one. Uh, another regime in French Africa is toppled by Douglas Yates, who had never heard of before, but was dug up by Laurier, I presume, and is published at Consortium News. Good article, some good background there. And then we have Neocon Adventure in Niger Risks Big Conflict in West Africa. And that's the Alexes uh, from the Duran. Then we have, moving on to Pacific slash China, We've got an interesting article from Bernard at Moon of Alabama. Huawei chips demonstrate the perils of technology protectionism. So I love that about Bernard. He, always, he, he, latches on, he either latches on to issues that no one else is really covering, which are actually of quite good, you know, a lot of interest that no one else is looking at, or he does these really interesting takes on things. So another good bit of work by uh, Bernard there. And then from Patrick Lawrence, we have... The real threat from China. 
they're better at capitalism than we are, <laughs> published at Shearpost and also at Consortium News under a slightly different title. Moving on, the Middle East. Uh, we have two interviews by Scott Horton on the Scott Horton Show. One is with uh, Nasser Arabi on the state of Yemen today. So if you're interested in where that whole shit shows up to, check that out. Uh, of course, direct links to the MP3s are in the links below. And we have another one from, with uh, Branko Machetic on the ousting of Imran Khan and Washington's plans for Ukraine. So quite an interesting uh, overlap there of looking at the, the coup against uh, Imran Khan in Pakistan and where Machetic sees the, the Ukraine thing going. So cool stuff. Then we move on to uh, what will actually be the basis of an article uh, in the next week. I've got two, actually three planned. We'll see how many I can get out the door. Uh, and this is on BRICS uh, primarily, but it's really BRICS slash SEO. That's the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. So firstly, we have from good old Vijay Prashad. On the 1st of January 2024, the world's center of gravity will shift the 35th newsletter from the Triconsultational Continental Institute for Social Research. And then we have BRICS, uh, the same article essentially published at Consortium News. And then the new voice, which was BRICS and the Future of Humanity, an Invitation to Reflection by Anna Polo, published at Shearpost. So please check her out. I think it's, it's good. So love to see new writers. Uh, and then we have a collection of stuff which I've just bundled under NATO. So there's a couple here by Craig Murray, who if you've been around here a while, you'll know is an ex-UK diplomat who was the first person to be a whistleblower on the US torture program when he saw what was going down in Uzbekistan way back when. Uh, so there's a first one here, it's called Destitution Capitalism. So this is, he's looking at what the fuck's going down in the West and how it's running its economies you know, under all this stupid sanctions, blah, blah. Uh, so, always worth reading Craig Murray. Well-informed, well-considered, good writer. Check it out. There's another one here, which is because he's being persecuted by the UK government, essentially being a, for a friend of Assange and an advocate for him. Uh, so, we got done in the, in the Scottish courts for the stupid stuff over the trial, the, the completely... You know, beat up trial uh, of uh, Alex Salmond uh, over uh, sexual abuse charges, which were complete, complete, completely politically motivated, and he smashed this apart by actually reporting on it, and then got done for uh, identifying protected witnesses and other bullshittery. But it's a complicated story. Look it up; it's all in the archives. Oomph, go back when. So this is a submission by he to the United Nations upon this persecution of himself. So that's in there too. And then we have a really cute article from Andrei Martinov um, called From Soggy Helsinki. So I invite you to read that just because it's sort of cute. I like the way he's, he's written it. So it's quite, it's a, it's a fun read. Uh, then we have France can only be an independent power if it learns to push back by Bernard from Moon of Alabama. Another approach, right? Looking at what's going on in, in West Africa and going... Well, if you want to get yourself out from underneath the U.S. thumb, France, <laughs> you're going to have to, you know, push back against them, which is another. He, like, so, as I say, he has interesting takes on this stuff. So I love Bernard. Uh, then we have the Alexes uh, from the Duran. Uh, Schultz and Macron uh, call Putin expecting sanctions, panic and tears. Of course, 
<laughs> Putin's silence shocked them. So in which they reflect on the way Putin has handled um, all of the sanctions pressure from the uh, EU, and Putin's response largely has been "Mum, he ain't said diddly squat," and they're all and, and Macron and and, uh, and uh, Schultz are going, "Why the fuck isn't he upset that we've done all this shit to him? He isn't saying anything." Da 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 da. Anyway, so it's a it's a cool uh, section of the Duran, uh, and then we have an interesting one from Matt Taibbi. Tracking Orwellian change, the new meanings of deep state and working class. So another thoughtful article uh, from Matt Taibbi. And finally, on Ukraine, we have, just when you thought retired US generals are the biggest buffoons, a retired Aussie takes the cake by Larry Johnson, which I love just for the title. And then uh, we have, the problems with Ukraine's wartime collaboration law by Igor Berdiga uh, from Natalia's place. Uh, understanding Russia, no, another really good article from sort of left of field. Like, interesting to get these interesting people. That's really what um, Natalia does. She grabs interesting comment, comments that are usually sympathetic to Russia's position and gathers them and sort of republishes them. So that's why I follow her site. She also rarely publishes her own articles, which are always really well put together. So, you know, there it is. And then we have the Alexes again, the UK Telegraph, Ukraine running out of men. NATO, all resources towards Melitopol. So they're just, you know, laughing at the current state of affairs in Ukraine. And then we have uh, US seeks perpetual war in Ukraine, question mark. And this is an interview between Napolitano and Alastair Crook, who I think is one of the best geopolitical analysts around. So always worth that. I've included that. And lastly, we have an article by Joe Laurier, who's looking into... What the hell's going on with this potential plea deal stuff for Assange? Uh, and he's, he's brought to bear his two-plus decades of reporting from the UN itself. So he's quite good at reading uh, what's happening under the scenes politically. So it's a really nice article. Uh, and in it, he brings to bear the uh, analysis that he was able to... Uh, gain an understanding of from a US constitutional lawyer whose name I can't recall at the moment. So he brings that in too, like what's going on with this plea deal? How can it be done? What's what's happening? Uh, and it's quite, so it's an interesting article. Um, it doesn't give you a sense of where things are going, but it's a really nice summary of where we're up to. So, and that brings us to the close of the Other Voices section. So lastly, we come to Africa and the term West Africa is not appropriate anymore because Gabon is in equatorial Africa. But these are all former French colonies, and I use the word former in quoted comments, uh, com, uh, uh, quotes. So what's happening is now a consistent anti-colonial sequence of coups in former French colonised Africa. It is unmistakably a pattern, and of course... There's a whole lot of panicking going on in, in the West, particularly in France, uh, but also in the US, because the US built this big drone base in um, Arabi in uh, Niger. They're pulling that apart and sort of running away with it. They haven't declared the coup there a coup because that interrupts their ability to do military financing for their stuff there. Meanwhile, the French are completely panicking. Um, and there's this wonderful... I like Richard Medhurst. He does a, he does a show which is... 
pretty good on analysis, and I quite like the fact that he's, um, I think he speaks four languages reasonably fluently, certainly English, uh, French, uh, Arabic, and I think a bit of German too. Anyway, fun little program. And he goes into this, and he, he absolutely laughs himself stupid at the behaviour of the French ambassador. Because he makes it clear how it goes. He's currently in um, uh, capital of Austria, forgets Vienna, uh, close to the UN building there. Right, so he's been doing some reporting for various people like uh, Press TV, that's an Iranian station, and so forth. And he's a little close to the uh, diplomatic understandings of the world. And his parents, if I recall correctly, work for the UN in some regard. So that's where his multilingual skills come from, this history of growing up uh, in um, Syria and uh, Pakistan. He was in Pakistan when one of the terrorist bombings happened there to the building next door when he was a kid. Um, anyway, he explains to the audience that the thing to understand about um, an ambassador, uh, and which is true of all uh, diplomatic staff, but the ambassador especially, is that they're there under invitation. They're a guest of the hosting country. So, and the hosting country grants the ambassador their diplomatic status. So while the ambassador holds the, that status, they are immune from um, being charged and prosecuted under local law. This is, you know, this is the Geneva Conventions thing. However, there is an obligation for an ambassador, and that is if the host country's foreign ministry calls you in for a meeting, you bloody well turn up. And this is what happened post the coup. The junta called in, the foreign ministry of the junta called in the French ambassador for a meeting. He went, I'm not turning up. 48 hours later, the junta uh, said, right, well, you lose your diplomatic status. We have withdrawn your diplomatic protection. Uh, Get the fuck out of here. We give you 48 hours. The ambassador refuses to do that as well, taking refuge in the embassy, which the host country has to not only treat as French territory in this case, but they have to protect that embassy. That's a responsibility of the hosting country. So the ambassador is, you know, holed up in this embassy when he could have just left. Anyway, have a listen to to Medhurst just laughing at himself stupid at this absolutely toffee-nosed you know, superior approach uh, that the French ambassador is taking. And to me, it's obvious that this comes from the, the, the training that they receive, which is just a continuation of the old noble savage stuff, which is, you know, we in the West are all civilized and so forth, and these people are primitive, and, you know, we're bringing civilization to them, and poor little them, they don't understand about these things and, you know, we'll help them out and, yeah, okay, end of the Second World War, all right, these these former colonies, they, they deserve their independence, but really, we have to be there and, and, and look after them because they really don't know what they're doing. That's where this shit comes from. So this is incredible arrogance and uh, Medhurst completely appropriately laughs his fucking ass off at this complete twat of an ambassador. Anyway... So there we go. To me, on the analytic side, this fifth coup in French colonial Africa in three years is a sign of what's happening as this geo this geopolitical tectonic shift is happening between the US slash NATO and 
Russia, China slash BRICS SEO, as that's going on, these nations are seeing the opportunity to wriggle out from under the boot that's been, you know, still on their neck, despite the, you know, the word of former being stuck in front of colonial possession. So I think it's fascinating. Anyway, that is the Week in Review. Hope you're having a good one wherever you are. Remember, smile at strangers. It's good for everybody. Have fun. Bye. Until next time. Thank you.